Sally Beauty's new all-in-one hair color kits make it easy to color your hair at home. Get everything you need to color for beautifully radiant results. Loved by professionals, open to everyone. Sally Beauty. You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy Sports lives here. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by Fantrax Radio. I'm your host tonight, Joe Saunders, and with me is Pat Donovan. Hola! And also, Nick Ligatino. Que paso? Oh man, we are the all-Spanish podcast today. So, si, si. as always, let's jump right into news and notes. Um, so we're going to jump it off with uh, Noah, Noah Syndergaard and Steven Matz. Um, they both left their starts with finger ligament strains. Um, Syndergaard is the uh, topic of conversation, though. He's expected to to land on the 10-day DL. Um, so what do you do to replace him? Any trade trade targets? Is he a trade target? Um, any waiver wire pickups to, to replace him? Well, it's going to be a short DL stint. So I don't know if you're out there trying to make trades for him. I mean, by the time you start fielding offers for a guy like Syndergaard, who's a top player, he'll probably be back already. So um, guys that are out there right now that you could pick up, uh, I mentioned you guys that I think Jalen Beeks is a week or two away or one more bad Pomeranz start away. Uh, the kid's definitely played through this year. He's looked great um, in AAA and AA. His K's are up. I'm a big fan of his. And I, I'm predicting that it's going to be within the next, like, three weeks that he'll get his call up. So go add him now before he comes up because once he does, it's going to be uh, – He's going to have a large percentage ship, percentage ship. Nice. Uh, as soon as he comes up. <laughs> yeah, it is near impossible to replace an ace, but luckily this doesn't sound too serious. Of course, we always have our fingers crossed with the, with the Mets. So um, some names to take a look at. Joe Musgrove uh, pitched well again tonight. He was particularly good over the weekend. His fastball velo is sitting around 94. Um, he relied on his secondary stuff. I think he's a good buy in my opinion. Just forty-one percent in twelve team twelve team leagues. Caleb Smith can be dominant, and he's only forty percent owned. Um, he's going to help keep the strikeouts up. Ross Stripling is a cheap name, fifty-three percent owned. Uh, I don't think it would take too much to acquire him. Nick Nick Kingham is back up with Ivan Nova on the DL. He's at twenty-two percent, and if you're reaching super deep, Ryan Yarborough at nine percent has been impressive in Tampa. Good, good, good name drop. All right, so uh, next up we got Ronald Acuna. So a uh, mild ACL sprain um, and a lower, lower back contusion, so he landed on the DL. Um, so the good news is is that uh, he should be back after 10 days, so owners dodged a bullet there. Um, another s- speedy power source, Franchi Cordero, he hit the DL with a s- sore forearm. Um, he has struggled a bit recently, but any cheap replacement options for the, the pair? Uh, yeah, I, I said it right before the pod. Uh, I think Nico Goodrum uh, deserves a, uh, a look right now. He's playing really well. Uh, he's an interesting power speed guy going forward. Right now he's got five and five, um, and he's hitting the ball pretty well. He's at a 250 average, and he's getting some count, counting stats on a bad Tigers team. So uh, keep your eyes on him going forward. Yeah, I'm going to give you my take on Goodrum a little bit later in the podcast. Um, some replacements that I like, Michael Conforto is still sitting at 50%. Uh, 
Aaron Hicks at 47%. I know Nick likes him. Jorge Soler, 37%. Uh, as I predicted, he's running a little bit to go with that major power. Teoscar Hernandez has struggled a little bit, but he's of the same profile, 31%. And uh, another name that we're going to discuss later, Brendan Nimmo. Just want to bring him up here at 20%. All right. Um, next up, we got Wellington Castillo, um, suspended 80 games. So any names to replace Beef Wellington, the catcher? So nah. difficult to replace catcher. But, I mean, if you're reaching deep, Tyler Flowers at 5%. Oh, yo, he's the best. He's, he's, still, he's super hot right now. Too. Yeah, and he, but he's, he's, he's still part-time. But he gives you a bit of power, a bit of average. He's in a good lineup. And, I mean, we said it before the year starts. They're back together now. You put him and Suzuki together at 40% if you can manage it, particularly in a daily league uh, where you can swap them in and out, get a full-time catcher with that kind of volume, with those guys' ability. It's, it's a good combination. And at 5%, he's available everywhere. Uh, Tucker Barnhart has been hitting in the two-hole in a pretty good lineup, can hit for average and get on base with a handful of steals. Uh, James McCann at 24% has a similar profile to Castillo. In terms of power, the average will be a little bit lower than Castillo. He's more of a 250 guy, but he's going to see a ton of volume. And with uh, James's brother Brian hitting the DL, Max Stassi has been swinging a hot bat and could be a stopgap to a more permanent replacement. You know, just play the hot hand and then wait and see what happens in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I have Stassi as my one guy at the top of the list. Um, I mean, the beautiful thing about him is he plays in the Astros. So he's going to accumulate those counting stats. And he's just – he looks locked in every single at-bat. He had another home run today against Severino. Severino's given up, like, I think, like, two home runs since, like, last June. Something crazy like that. Um, so, you know, that's a good feat right there in itself. But, yeah, I'm definitely on Stasi. I think he looks great. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's handled the team really well. Um, I know Hinch likes to plug him in there. And, yeah, like, like Pat mentioned, now with McCann on the DL, um, he's – Slated to get full time, full time playing time. Joe, just a quick Astros question for you: sure. Have you read or seen anything that would imply that um, Evan Gaddis might go behind the dish at any point? Just for those considering his eligibility for next year, uh, I have not, not yet. Okay. All right. Um, next up on news and notes, we got Felipe Vasquez. So he left his outing over the holiday. Uh, holiday weekend with forearm discomfort, um, but he came back and threw a scoreless ninth yesterday, hitting 100 miles per hour for the first time this year, in fact. So uh, w- what do we make of this, and is is it worth stashing a guy for a handcuff or no? Um, I'm not too concerned uh, concerned with, with Vasquez. I mean, he, they didn't even give him one day off. He came right back and pitched, pitched well. Um, but obviously, Edgar Santana is a guy that you want to keep your eyes on because even if you pick him up, He'll be he'll be valuable in that setup role. He'll get you some K's. Um, he doesn't walk anyone, and if he does get the the job, he'll he'll succeed at it. He's a good pitcher. Yeah, I'm a little more concerned. I, I just don't like the symptoms that were being outlined: finger numbness, forearm soreness. Those are bad signs. While the fact that he came back in such a short turnaround and reach such a velocity is probably a good sign. I'm still a little bit concerned. Edgar Santana is the name that's been thrown around. I, I think that Rodriguez might be the guy. Um, it is sort of a difficult pen to read 
because uh, Contos was the guy that was pitching the eighth inning and he got removed recently. So uh, those are two guys I would keep my eyes on in deeper leagues. I might stash if I needed the saves, um, but good signs for Velasquez, but I don't think we're quite out of the woods yet. Do either, do either of you know if he got an MRI? Probably not, right? No, I, I don't think he did. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but there's a possibility that he tore, slightly tore something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, most pitchers are dealing with torn UCLs, right? It's not a conversation that we've had um, to some extent. It's just a matter of the degree of the uh, tear. Yeah. All right. So, uh, speaking of bullpens, um, Tampa traded Alex Colomay over the weekend. So, who do you like in the race pen? And uh, anyone over Ryan Tepera in Toronto? Uh, yeah. So, the, the race pen is interesting. Um, I mean – I would have said Romo, but they're using him in like the first inning right now. So, well, he got a uh, save yesterday. Oh, he already yes. got one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, with Kamai being dealt, they might put someone else in that role that you know will come in in the first. Did you just call him Kamadine? No, he said. Oh, oh okay. Kamadine? I think he said Kamadine. What? No, no, it's not. <laughs> like, it's not Wabi Way. I was like, who the hell is Kamadine? Kamadine. No. Uh. Yeah. So I, if I had a, if I had to pick someone, I would just take a guess that it's Romo. All these other guys, it's it's just a bunch of guys in that pen. There's no one that really stands out. So just some breaking news. Uh, Vasquez just closed out the Cubs. So Yay. that's back-to-back saves for him, pitched on back-to-back nights. Um, okay, as far as this goes, I think Tapera over anyone in Tampa, um, Alvarado and Chaz Rowe were the names that first bursted out of the gate. Um in terms of, you know, people that were specking, but Venters and Romo have seen saves. Um, if I was going to prioritize this situation, I would say Alvarado would be my first guy. Yeah. Um, Chaz Rowe is probably a lot of fun because he's got that Adovino type slider, but he's not Adam Adovino in terms of how he can control it at all. Um, so Alvarado only if I was desperate though. All right. Um, Let's go on to a call-up, Shane Bieber, um, getting the call to start Thursday for the Indians. Um, he's a control artist. He's been dominant in minors with um, a high walks per nine of 0.83 in AA last year. So ridiculous control. Um, what do you foresee for him at the big league level? And does he stay up or is he going to go back down once uh, Bauer's all good? Uh, he's probably going to head back down, but I'm excited to see the kid – I mean, his control and command are just ridiculous. And that's what you like to see from a kid that's playing in the minors because, you know, it, it should translate well into the bigs. Uh, I like this stuff. I'm a fan. I'm picking him up in any format. Uh, Paul Martin from Real Fake Baseball, and I got into it on Twitter when I comped Bieber to um, uh, another command and control first prospect in Joe Musgrove. Uh, and his argument was basically that he thought Bieber – um, was more extreme than Musgrove and, you know, therefore was, was better. And, and maybe he's right. I, I But I liked Musgrove quite a bit, and I liked him more than I like Bieber now. Um, but that's sort of failing to see the forest for the trees in terms of comping the two. The point was that these command and control types are sort of seen as high floor uh, types when they come up. But sometimes they end up being in the zone too much and get pounded the first time around the league. As Bieber doesn't have overwhelming stuff, I would be cautious about overbidding on him. 
Um, and I actually think that they sent down Plutko. So I think that they're going to try and give Bieber an extended run here, which weighs in his favor. Um, I would just be cautious, though, because he just doesn't have the electric stuff. And he's about to see a whole new level of hitting that he hasn't seen before. Yeah, he's got a teammate, too, that's exactly like him and Josh Tomlin. Well, I think Bieber's got a little more velocity, right? Well, yeah, I meant, but in terms of control. Yeah, I mean, Tomlin's another example of a guy that just fills the zone and fills the zone and fills the zone. And, you know, we've seen him get completely crushed as well. Um, you know, I certainly think Bieber's more talented, but it is. It's a, it's another comp where, you know, is he going to, you know, fill the zone too much? Is he going to be able to fool hitters in the zone? Um I don't know. I don't know that we know the answer to that. I mean, what's the best case scenario is, is he's a better version of Miles Michaelis, which is pretty good. Um, but that profile, I feel like, works a lot less at this level than people realize. Uh, okay, so, um, Nick, since you're considering adding him in pretty much all types of leagues, how much would you consider bidding in FAB? Like, what percentageship? Uh... I would say uh, I would use 10 of my percentage ship on him. See, this is going to be funny because I'd probably go higher than Nick. I would probably be about 12 to 15% if I needed the pitching. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Pat. I think I'd go a little bit higher. I mean, if he's a stinker, then whatever. But especially, I mean, limiting the walks, it's hard to get really blown up. Unless, if, I mean, unless we get Bapit to death, but which happens. Yeah, you get Babbitt to death, and then you give up the bombs. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, Alex Reyes. So Reyes got the call today, and he uh, pitched pretty pitched, pitched pretty well. Excuse me. Four shutout innings, two Ks, two walks. Um, what are the expectations going forward? Yeah, so <clears throat> I said it earlier today to a friend of mine that, like, before the season started, I, I really didn't want to be the guy that took him too early in drafts because my, pro- my predictions were that he'd be back, like, in August. And that they would ease him in, um, ease him in, start him in the pen, and then because the, the rotation is so good, why rush it back? But he was so good when he when he came back and and was pitching in the minors that they're like, all right, we got to get him into the rotation, and that's just that. Um, the stuff is absolutely ridiculous off the charts. I was watching him today, um, and his breaking stuff is insane. It's on another it's on another level, honestly. So what I expect from him is somewhere around a low three ZRA. Um, I don't know what they're going to do as far as innings and how they're going to work him back today. He only pitched seven, like he only threw 72 or 73 pitches, I believe. Um, so paced out though. I, I think that he's a guy that's going to strike out 200 guys every single season that he's in. And it comes with good ratios. He's going to be money. Yeah. I mean, there's no disputing that Alex Reyes is top end stuff. But I'm going to sound like a broken record. I think the expectations need to be kept in check here, at least for this year. Uh, He's never done it as a starting pitcher at this level. He was inconsistent when he was up in 2016. And he's coming off Tommy John surgery, which affects command and control first and foremost. And that's those are the areas where he struggled in the past. Uh, The Cardinals do appear to be making a commitment to him. I think they've come out and they've said that he's not going to be on any kind of innings restriction. Reyes has undeniably electric game-changing stuff, but I think this is a long play by the Cardinals. 
to let him sort of figure it out on the fly. So that way, you know, in the best case scenario, if they're in the postseason, he's ready to go. Um, it could click right away. It's completely possible. But I also think it could take a little while. I might shop him in redraft. Uh, for instance, I saw a trade where Alex Reyes was traded straight up for Shohei Otani. Wow. And if I could get that, um, doing it every single time. Yeah, and you know what? The the best time would probably be like within these first three or so starts if he strings together a really, really good start, like you know, like six and two six and two thirds of like nine Ks and a walk or something like that. Yeah. He's gonna need like a studly start after today before you let's do like a regular guy, like not like a new a new pitcher with upside, like like a regular Dude, where's the line if Reyes has like two more decent starts? Like, I don't know. Would you rather have Blake Snell? I'd rather have Blake Snell. Would you? I don't know. Yeah, I, I would. Have, I'd rather have Reyes. Dude, I mean, Snell's got the Snell's got the major league innings, right? And he's made the adjustments. Would you rather like, have? Okay, go ahead, Pat. I was gonna say, I feel like the line might be McCullers. Although I'd rather really? have McCullers. No, you don't have McCullers and Reyes. Yeah. In redraft, wow. yeah. Especially in a wins wow. league, too. I know, but McCullers is like just – he's one of those difficult guys to own. He's like wildly inconsistent start to start. It's like really good start, really bad start. When yeah, has the Alex Ray ever been the consistency? Yeah. No, I, I just that, – that is true, but I like the upside in Reyes a little more. Like we, know, we know McCullers is this inconsistent pitcher with – Reyes, it's kind of like been shoddy here and there. You know what I mean? I guess I guess I'm just I guess I'm just a guy that likes the devil I know versus the devil I don't. Well, and plus, I'd rather take the combination of strikeout stuff and ground balls versus strikeout stuff. Right, if I had to choose, right, McCullers gives me the ground balls and the strikeouts. Yeah, but you know what? It's listen, it's a good line. McCullers is definitely, I think, the line, the perfect guy. Yeah. What about Arietta? No. He's walking too many guys this year. Um, okay, well, I think we've got an idea of where where we're talking. So yeah, yeah, I think McCullers is is a good line. That's yeah, it's pretty high. So, all right, let's move let's move on to Byron Buxton. So uh, back on the DL with a fractured big toe, batting triple slash at one fifty eight, one eighty three, two hundred. Um, should redraft owners? Oh no! Should redraft owners hold or? Old. If Go ahead, you don't have any DL slots available. That's just waiting. Yeah, make this brief. It. I'm not gonna make this brief, damn it. Oh my god. <sighs> Listen, Buxton. I told you I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can tell, Buxton was an easy skip for me on draft day because of the acquisition cost. He's just not a developed, polished, good hitter. Uh, he certainly could be eventually, but people were paying a top 20 price like he was a much more finished product than he actually is. Um, if I have the slots, I'm okay with holding him, uh, but I'm not keeping him over a player like an Adam Eaton or an Adrian Beltre uh, to provide two examples. There's always hope for a rebound. Maybe the toe is hampering him at the plate. Maybe the time off gives him some time to look at film and make the adjustments that he needs to make. I mean, if, if Scooter, Scooter Jeanette can turn himself into the most feared hitter in baseball, anything is possible. Called it. 
But to me, that's sort of the point. You're betting on a prayer with Buxton. You're betting on quote unquote tools rather than substance. You're not taking a flyer at the draft table though. When it comes to Buxton, you're betting a month's salary. It's just been poor decision-making. Anyone that wanted to look into the numbers could see that last year he was getting pitches grooved to him because he couldn't make contact in the zone, started to make contact in the zone, and pitchers started to go back out of the zone, and his strikeout rate came back up, and it has continued this year. When he comes back and hits for three weeks, it'll be – here it comes. Get ready. The Byron Buxton breakout. I told you so. And maybe it will be. But those owners tend to have the sort of confirmation bias where they will always think the breakout is coming. God, you just you just couldn't resist putting him I know, in the I know. He's just like, he can't. He and, can't help and himself. And we, him, we asked him to keep it brief. He's like, no, I'm not going to keep it. Like, Something happened with Pat and Byron Buxton in real life, and I want to know what happened. It's his believers. No, yeah, it's his believers that 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 bother me because I just can't. Like, I comp the guy to Lorenzo Kane in terms of his reasonable upside, and I got my head taken off before the draft started. You want to know what Byron Buxton owners would give if he was Lorenzo Kane right now? Like, yeah. they would give anything. Uh, How would, uh, so, it, wait. For real though, Buxton Buxton has definitely approached territory of like needing to like sit down and I don't know maybe talk to maybe talk to a sports psychologist or something because I think he's in his own head because he is he's got the talent the talent is there like we can all see it when he plays um, he's he's just lost man he needs a swing change he needs an approach change and he needs a he needs to change everything change. He needs to change his underwear. Let's yeah. move on. All right. So uh, now we're going to play a little game called Around the Diamond. Um, last week we did uh, we did um, Struggling Guys. This week we're going to do Surgers. Um, so let's start with uh, Catcher, uh, Wilson Ramos. Last two weeks, five runs, three home runs, eight RBIs, 381 average, and a 1.081 OPS. Um, is he breaking out or just hot? Uh, he's he's breaking out. He's always been breaking out. This is the most underappreciated catcher in the game year after year. When he's healthy, the guy can rake. Um, I don't know how he slides. Like I, I guess it's yeah, it's all based on you know injury history. But if you wait, like this year, my plan was to punt catcher and take Ramos and take Grandal in like the post twenties rounds and sit there with a guy who is going to hit two thirty with twenty five plus bombs. And another guy who's going to hit like close to 300 and give me a solid home run line. Um, so yeah, always underappreciated, always always good when healthy. He had one down year in 2015 where he hit 229, um, but you put that aside, and he's been good every single year that he's been in the bigs. I, I, I love Ramos. Yeah, he was a big target for us. I know we had mentioned a lot in the. Uh throughout the preseason that Ramos was a guy to target. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot to like there. Um, You know, Nick mentioned the sort of upside that he has. He's also a player that was and is seeing a lot of volume and he's sort of under the radar in Tampa 
with good road parks in that division. Um, as far as whether he's breaking out or not, I, I don't think he's breaking out. I do think he's just hot, but I, I don't want that to mean that I do not think he's a good player because I do think he is. Um, I would be much more concerned about a bad ball profile. It's very heavy on grounders, but Ramos has been that for his entire career. And he's been a catcher that has annually paced out to about 25 homers with full-time playing time, lots of hard contact, uh, he simply makes the most of his fly balls. If he ever got the memo that lifting the ball was a good thing, I mean, he could be, you know, dare I say it, like Gary Sanchez light. Um, there's nothing indicating that sort of change. Um, you know, as far as the streak goes, he's striking out a little more than normal. He's walking a little less. He's got a 400 BABIP. To me, those are signs of a hot streak, but he's going to get hot like this again, and he's going to put together a good year with about – you know, 25 homers on a full season pace with right around a 270 average. And that's easily going to be a top 10 catcher. All right, let's move on to first base. We've got Jesus Aguilar last two weeks, uh, batting 304 with a 1.061 OPS. He's got six home runs, 11 runs and 16 RBI on the season. Actually, he's got nine home runs, 25 runs and 30 RBI on the season. Sorry about that. Um, uh, lots of line drives, lots of hard contact. Um, is he breaking out? Yeah. So I put him in my player spotlight because I, so I've watched this guy play a lot recently and I think we have like a real power guy about to break out this year and become like a name. Um, so the swing is absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to start by saying that I love the swing. It looks super balanced and he's locked in right now. It's going to continue. I think, like my projections for him rest of way, I think he ends the season with close to or just over 30 bombs. And it's going to come with a healthy batting average, healthy OBP. He walks a lot. Um, he doesn't strike out that much. I used to think that that would be a problem when he came up to the bigs. Last year it was, but he seems like he might have figured it out. Um, last year he was at 30%, this year 24 um, I really like the player. I really like the team. He's going to accumulate counting stats. And... I think this is a good time to go out and buy him. Another thing to look at, if you're not a believer in the power, is the exit velo right now is 93 miles per hour, and the launch angle is 19.88. So that is a recipe for some good things. Cook it up and enjoy. Yeah, we spoke about him last week uh, when I appeared on the Nasty Cast. Uh, and as I said last week, he's always been intriguing from a power perspective. Uh, Aguilar has addressed the contact issues without losing that power. Um, this is a hot streak, but if the skills stabilize, the Brewers are really going to struggle to keep him out of the lineup. Uh, the playing time crunch will come, but at this point, I think you ride the hot hand and hope that the playing time works itself out either through injury or the fact that Aguilar hits so well that they just simply can't take him out of the lineup. I mean, I, I heard something, uh, this morning where I believe Braun told counsel to move him down, Braun, down in the lineup to put Aguilar at three because Aguilar is just smashing the ball. And when a hitter of Brian Braun's caliber is, Brian Braun's caliber is saying that Brian Braun. Um, It's it's impressive. What does this mean uh, for Thames when he comes back? Well, that's just it. I mean, you know, is the playing time going to work itself out? You have to remember Thames can play the outfield, but the outfield isn't 
you know, yeah, it's, it's abundant tight. with playing time or yeah, it's yeah. already, it's already tight. Uh, you know, if I'm the themes owner, I'm a little nervous. Maybe the Brewers deal one of those guys and get a starting pitcher in. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what ends up happening there, but it's a good problem for the Brewers to have. And as of this time, you didn't invest much in Aguilar. Write it out as far as Thames goes. You know, you didn't invest a ton in Thames either. I mean, that guy was like a 15th round pick in most leagues. So, you know, you keep him on the DL and you hope that the situation gets clear somehow. Uh, if it doesn't, when Thames comes back, you drop him. Man, that's a tough one to bite. Yeah. All right. Um, next up, we got second base. Hot hitting Gliber Torres. Last two weeks, 316, 1184 OPS, six home runs, six run, 14 RBI. And he's uh, at nine home runs, 16 runs, and 26 RBI on the season. Um, so, is Torres everything we thought he was going to be? What is going on with like these minor leaguers coming up and just raking the second they get into the bigs? Like, it didn't used to ball, be like that. Nah, I know. But they're more ready. <laughs> well, it certainly has ready. something to do with it, Joe. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, and I can't, I don't think you could say that they're more ready. We have like 21 year olds and 19 year olds like coming up right now. It's just, no, it's I think crazy. the game is more advanced though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of it. Right. And I think that scouting is better than it was in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all of, I mean, there are still a lot of busts, but there have been a lot of hits in the past decade. Yeah. Like, I mean, Harper and Harper was like a surefire thing. Strasburg was a surefire thing, and they've both turned out great. Bryant. Like 20 years ago, I, I mean, number one overall picks were duds. Bryant was a sure thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but sorry. Anyway, so, so, <laughs> right, so with, with, with Gleiber, um, <clears throat> I will say this as a Yankee fan, that I was not expecting the power at all. Um, what I thought when he came up was going to it was going to be a guy that gets on base a lot, um, who would eventually move into the leader the, the leadoff spot and replace Gardner, and walk and get on base and be a contact How many hitter. And still... are the Yankees going to have? What'd you say? How many leadoff hitters are the Yankees going to have? Well, I meant like in the future, like not this year, but like oh, okay. You know, when Gardner... I, thought, I thought Aaron Hicks was going to be the leadoff hitter. I well, thought he Gardner was going to be the leadoff hitter. Um, but anyway, yeah, Hicks has to begin getting a lot of time at leadoff. But, uh, as far as Glibertori goes, um, the the OBP is really strong, and the speed is definitely going to come. Right now, he only has one stolen base in 122 plate appearances. That's that's kind of surprising to me. Um, I think that number is going to go up, and I think that the home runs are going to come down a bit, uh, or maybe a lot. Uh, the way I, my projections for him in like a full season would be like. 15 home runs, 25-ish steals with really nice average and really good OBP. This is just this is just not the player that I thought he would be. So far, he looks great, and he looks locked in. To me, I have the same reaction to this run that I had to Didi Gregorius, which is he's better than I thought he was, but you should throw the name out there and redraft because the market is going to be overvaluing him. Uh, the battle data has bounced around a lot between flies and grounders in his career. And right now at this level, he's at 0.78 in terms of ground ball, fly ball percentage, which is obviously good for power. He's carrying a strong line drive rate at 28%, which means the Babbitt should be strong even with uh, a fly ball heavy profile. Still 353 is a little high. 
But the big tell here is the homer fly ball rate. He's at 29%. Ooh. He's floated around high single digits to low teens in the minors. Could he have added power? Yeah. Could Yankee Stadium be helping him? Certainly. But is he two to three times better at hitting home runs than at any other point in his career? And I said this with Gregorius. I doubt that. Um, so I think if you can find somebody that's buying him as, uh, you know, all-star level talent, you should do it. And I've got a couple of trades for you guys. Would you trade Glaber Torres for Scooter Jeanette? Yes, easily. No. I definitely no. want Scooter. I would definitely um, do that in redraft. Dude, Scooter's on a tear right now. And he's hitting know, like four in that lineup. I know. Um, it's tough because if Gleiber, Gleiber's playing so well right now and Gardner and Hicks have kind of been, and eh, he could find himself at the top of the lineup Scooter sooner rather is, than later. Scooter is like the best player in baseball. I know. It, I <laughs> nah, know. yo, there's uh, no way Gleiber's bumping them out, especially not Gardner, dude. I mean, Gleiber's not, Gleiber doesn't walk nearly as much as, as Gardner does. I know. Although I've been um, wrong about everything about this Yankees lineup, so I don't know if you want to listen to me. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'd probably I'd probably go Jeanette. Okay, one more. Uh, Gleyber Torres for Jorge Soler. Oh, Gleyber. Not even I'd close. rather have Gleyber. Yeah, I'd definitely rather have Gleyber. Okay. All right, let's move on to third base, or sort of third base. Uh, Max Muncy, last two weeks, 291, uh, 1066 OPS with three home runs, five runs, and 10 RBI. The stat cast darling Max Muncy. What's the take? Muncy looks like the Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, Dodger out of nowhere player this year. Uh, he's showing good patience with a 14% walk rate and a strikeout rate of 26%, which is not great, but not to the level where it's a major problem. He's making a lot of hard contact. He's over 40% with the fly ball, pull heavy approach. I don't know that Muncy has necessarily remade himself. I think he may have been this player over the last few years, but this is his first real chance at significant playing time at the major league level, which he is seizing. X stats indicate the power is for real and nothing is really out of line with the profile. With that bats at first base available and enough flexibility to bounce around the corners to third base, a corner outfield spot. I think Muncy is a sneaky pickup in deeper leagues where he could provide 20-25 home run pop with good run production as I expect things to turn around in LA and he's already hitting near the top of that lineup. I believe he let off yesterday. So I, I like this move. I think it's a sneaky pickup. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the stat line that I project to him, which is very similar to what you just said, like 20 ish, maybe 23 ish uh, bombs is rosterable anymore. Like five, six years ago, maybe. Um, but uh, to me, the upside just isn't there. Um, I, he has looked really good, and he's been really, really hot lately. I just kind of – as far as home run upside, I really don't think he does eclipse 25, and that's kind of like the magic number these days. Uh, and as far as the, the batting average, he's at 256 right now with a 293 Babbitt. So the average could come down a little bit. Um, but the positives, like Joe said, StatCast Darling, he – it, he does right now have a 91 mile per hour average exit velo and a 13 launch angle, which is which is good, but it doesn't move the needle for me. Like 
if he was swinging the bat at like 92, 93, then I'd be like, all right, maybe there is upside for the home runs. But I'm just, I'm just kind of like lukewarm. Yeah, a couple of things I want to add here. Um, Pat, you mentioned about the lineup. Um, Roberts has not been afraid to shake up the lineup a lot this year. Um, He's hitting two tonight, by the way. Roberts has gone all over the place. He's had Bellinger at six. He's had Puig at eight. He's had uh, a Turner's pretty much been at three. He's had Kemp at four and three all over the place. So um, top of the lineup's good. Um, And Nick, to your point about 25 home runs being the magic number, I think this year um, it's important that owners recalibrate during the middle of the season because home runs are down this year. Um, they're not down to, you know, 2013 levels, but they're down from the last two years. So you have the numbers. I just, uh, I haven't checked that. I, I don't off the top of my head. I'm sorry, but I know for a fact that they are down. Um, I, I would have thought they would be up just because of how I, I, I texted you earlier, how many guys are paced out for like insane power numbers. this year? Well, so there's like your, your halves, right? Yeah. Like Harper, Betts, Trout. But then there's Ramirez. like a lot of have-nots that are like, you know, floating around eight or seven. I mean, look at Votto, right? Votto's got like yeah. eight home runs. Or, Goldie uh, has like yeah, three, like right? six, right? Whatever it is, you know? So there's like a lot of guys. It's like your haves and have-nots. So uh, uh, 25 home runs is, is actually pretty solid. And if he's sitting at the top of the lineup, since he walks a ton, um, he's got some sneaky value. Plus the eligibility. Yeah, but does he have first, first third outfield? Yep. Does he have sneaky speed? Is that what you said, Nick? Yeah, I was joking. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. All right, so next up, uh, outfielder Austin Meadows. Last two weeks, 439 average, 1289 OPS, four home runs, nine runs, seven RBIs, three stolen bases. Pat, take this away. Joe, we saw this coming. Yeah, I, I wish. <laughs> so full full disclosure: Joe and I own Meadows shares in Dynasty for like um, five years. No, yeah. not that long. Well, almost. Yeah, almost. <laughs> uh, Meadows is a middling power prospect. He comes up to the big leagues, and lo and behold, he tears the cover off the ball. Uh, tons of hard contact in the small sample with a one-to-one ground ground ball to fly ball ratio, which is pretty meaningless based upon sample size, but it's still notable. Um, he's only striking out 5% of the time. And I believe he walked for the first time tonight. Um, the BABIP is certainly out of control for his profile. It's at 375 with a 14% line drive rate. Again, super small sample. So I don't know that those numbers are indicative of anything. Um, those are the sorts of things that happen in a small sample. I said it last week on the nasty cast. He's always been to me like a 275, 15 homer, 25 steel type player, um, sort of a poor man's Starling Marte. But I, I wouldn't be stunned if that power projection is a little light in terms of the upside. And it's not just based upon what we've seen from him so far. Um, Meadows has a has a pretty um, – he, he's got good size in his lower half, and I think that could function as the base for more power. Uh, his raw power grades have exceeded his game power grades for a while now. Um, and it's not all about him. It's me. It's, it's the MLB. Uh, you know, I mentioned it when we talked about Torres, the ball is different here. So we've seen league average power guys become 20 plus Homer bats all the time in this era. And 
you know, there's no disputing that he can run. So it, it could easily be a 275, 2025 type profile. And, you know, those five extra homers, while they don't seem like a lot, uh, it makes him that much more appealing, especially when you can get to that 2020 level. Um, you know, as for the short term, he's been playing against lefties. Polanco has sat. Um, Dickerson also sat tonight against a lefty. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to do a four-man rotation with Marte getting the biggest share of the playing time. Um, I'm not sold that he's up for good. If he cools off, they may send him back down. Um, But certainly enjoy the ride while it's going on. And if he, you know, much like Aguilar, if he continues to hit and hit well and force the Pirates' hand, you know, your investment was whatever you bid your fa- whatever fab you bid on him, which may have been low because he wasn't exactly tearing the cover off the ball in the minors this year. Uh, so I, I agree with your first projection, which had Meadows at like 15 home runs, um, 25 ish steals. I, I kind of don't really believe in the power yet. I think it's been a little fluky. Uh, right now the exit velo is just 87 miles per hour, which is um, well below league average. And it comes with a league average-ish uh, 13.53 launch angle. So I'm not too impressed with those numbers. I don't know if the power will stick. He's also just got a 404-foot average home run distance as well, so they're just barely getting over. Um, yeah, so I, I, I definitely am buying Meadows. I think he's a good, safe play, and I think that the top of this lineup is something that um, he can possibly reach in the near future. Where has he been batting lately? Do you, do you know that? He was hitting two tonight. Wow, that's and, confidence. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I mean, the, the Pirates. Yeah, and you know what? The Pirates lineup is a lot better than we gave it. Like everyone gave it credit for it in the preseason, except Bob uh, with Bell and me and Joe. We all like Bell. Wrong. And Moran, right? <laughs> anyway, Wrong. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm in. I'm in on Meadows as well. I like the player. Yeah, um, Pat. I don't. I don't. No, if you mention this, I'm sorry, but um, so, something I want to mention too about Meadows is just that he's got a like sort of an extensive injury history, um, right? So I didn't mention that, but it's a good point. Yeah, so um, I, I mean, you can't predict injuries, but he's been he's been banged up here or there in the minors, so he he doesn't have a a, a pristine bill of health. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just something to to keep in mind. But to that point. It also could explain why his performance wasn't as good as his hype was in the minors. And it also could explain maybe why he's seeing some latent power um, sort of reveal itself. Um, So you have to look at injuries sort of on that, you know, on that spectrum as well. It's not just, oh, he's been hurt in the past, he'll be hurt in the future. It's, He's been hurt in the past, and maybe that's why he wasn't quite as good as everybody thought he was going to be. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were like lower body injuries, right? Like hamstrings and, and stuff of that correct. nature, I think. Yep. Mainly lower half injuries, yep. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next outfielder. We got Michael Brantley. Last two weeks, 377 average, 1033 OPS, 11 runs, four home runs, nine ribbies, and a stolen base. And for the season, he's got nine home runs, 28 runs, and... 36 RBI. So is Michael Brantley Papip fueled hot streak or is he back to 20, 2014 Brantley? 
Well, yeah, he's back to 2014 Brantley. He's back to 2017 Brantley. The guy's good whenever he's healthy. Um, so I, I'm definitely buying it. I think he's going to continue to rake. Uh, like I said, when he's healthy, he is one of the better hitters in baseball. Uh, not, as far, not as far as power and speed go, but as far as batting average and just being a good contact hitter. Um, he doesn't strike out at all. He walks. I think I expect the walk number from 5.7 to go up a little more as the year goes along. But the bread and butter with Brantley right now is definitely the runs and RBIs. Uh, batting uh, batting uh, third on this line. I'm sorry, second on this lineup is absolutely money. He's in behind Lindor in front of Jose Ramirez and Anacarnacion. So the counting stats is going to be there in, in big, big numbers if this guy could stay healthy. Um, I think the speed may come as the year goes on. Um, last year, and you know, people don't realize he did play. He did get 375 plate appearances last year, um, and he had a 357 OBP. He had the nine home runs and the 11 uh, stolen bases, which you know, so he paced out for close to 2020 again. And he does it every single year that he's healthy. So I'm buying Brantley. There's no reason not to. Yeah, I, I agree with Nick. You know, given health, he's he's a player that has produced uh, pretty much every time he, you know, has actually played. It's just the fact that he has been unavailable. Um, he's His profile is light on soft contact, heavy on line drive, and he's managed to replace some of the speed that he has, perhaps has lost. He's got two steals on only four attempts with some more power. Um, so, you know, that's encouraging. And he's such a good hitter. He's going to be productive in sort of a boring way, in the middle of a very, very good lineup. He's an excellent source of average, and he's he's the ideal player to pair with somebody like uh, a Joey Gallo who is going to hurt your batting average um, because Brantley's basically a lock to hit 295-plus, and there's just not that many of those guys. Let's combine the two just for fun. If you combine the two, uh, if, oh, it all depends like, on how many at-bats you get out of Brantley. So let's let's give them both full season at bats. Rest of the way, you've got like what sixty five home runs and a two ninety average. Well, no, not a two ninety average. You have to factor in Gallo. Yeah, I did. Well, because I, I took I took Brantley's average right now. So well, it's like okay. a, yeah, it's gonna be like two fifty five. Yeah, the two of them together, and you figure the combined they'll get around twelve to fifteen steals. Not, Not bad. bad. Maybe even more than that. More, more steals, definitely. Yeah, yeah, more than Gallo that. Alone. Yeah, yeah, Gallo, like, yeah. It's probably like closer to like 2025. Yeah. I don't but know. Yeah, I know yeah. that Brantley's going to run in any kind of – I mean, he's only got two. Yeah, and that I lineup mean, is gets, good. If he gets to like eight. That's, that's like what I'm eight. saying. So, like, yeah, he gets to eight, Gallo and then Gallo like gets, what, like eight to nine, 12. All right, all right. We're, we're in the same ballpark here. Yeah. Then. All right, um, next outfielder, we got Brandon Nimmo, um, who we mentioned before, earlier. Last two weeks, 12 runs, four home runs, five rubies, four stolen bases, 292 average, and a 1027 OPS. Is like, have the Mets finally woken up and decided to play Nimmo as they should? Yeah, well, I mean, they weren't left with any kind of choice. They're rolling out Jose Batista, for God's sakes. Oh, my goodness. Um, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the V on this one. This was a this was a preseason call of mine, and Nimmo has found his way into the PT. 
through the injuries and has played well enough that the playing time is probably secure. He's got a 900 plus OPS, five homers, five steals overall. He hits leadoff most days. Um, and I identified him this swing as a swing change guy. Uh, he's hitting 49% fly balls with a ton of hard contact, 40 plus percent. He walks 15% of the time. The Babip's not going to be great, but I see this guy as, as a potential a Shinsu Chu clone with 20, 25 homer pop and 10 to 15 stolen bases with a 380 OBP at the top of a Mets lineup that should be pretty decent. I think Nimmo is very much for real. And if you can, you're out there in those 80% of 12 team mixers where he's available, I would highly recommend that you grab him because I don't think that you'll be disappointed. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally in on Nimmo 100%. Um, you know, even, even like, like, yeah, he's having the breakout year this year, but even last year in 215 plate appearances, he had a 379 OBP. Yeah, gets on base. That's all. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'll always get on base. It's just about. It was always just a matter of whether he, whether he would hit for power and how much he would run. And at this point, I think we can say, it looks like he's going to hit for more power than expected because he's changed his swing. Yeah, and I mean, right now, as far as the power stat cast numbers, ninety mile per hour exit velo, which is where you want to be, seventeen seven eight launch angle. So I don't see the power slowing down at all. And uh, as, as far as the speed goes, I kind of think he has a, a lot more upside. Um, I watched him play the last couple of games, and he is, like, really, really fast for a guy who's 6'3", however, however many pounds, 210 pounds. Um, so I think he's a guy who could possibly steal, like, 25. And as far as the power goes, I think he's a guy who could hit, like, 25-plus. Uh, I don't know if it's all there right now yet, but he looks great. He, he definitely is passing the eye test. So I'm definitely on him, and uh, you should be too. All right. Um, this one I'm going to squeeze in here. We're going to do a softball outfield. So our fourth outfielder, uh, Gorky Hernandez. Um, he's been red hot uh, for the past month, the month of May. He's got five home runs, 11 runs, seven RBI, and a 342 average. Um, and for the season, he's at six home runs, 16 runs, nine rubies, and a 310 batting average. So is, uh, is Gorky's for real? I mean, where did, where did this come from? Uh, well, he's not for real. I think you guys are on him. I'm not, um, you, you, no, you don't put that voodoo on me. Yeah, yeah, we're not <laughs> on him at all. Oh, because I, I remember Pat texting. He's like, is Gorky's Hernandez a real thing? Yeah. And it was with a I question mark. <laughs> Uh, yeah, then you looked in and saw the K rate and the walk rate and the BABIP and everything else, and you're like, ah, that's going to come down. But uh, yeah, so I- I'm a pass on Gorky's, even though I would love to own a guy with the name Gorky's. Uh, mm-hmm. He's like played for every team in baseball. He's been in the league since like 2004. Uh, he's a weird guy. He's a weird guy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very fluky. Um, it certainly you know, seems as though every time he comes up the bat, he's doing something, but this has all the marks of a hot streak, uh, which I believe will come to an end before long. Uh, certainly, you know, ride out the hot streak, but once he puts together a couple of over fours and over fives, uh, feel free to drop him. I don't think there's anything there to really hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's whiffing more. He's missing, um, 
he's missing pitches in the zone more. He's uh, chasing more. I mean, there's red flags all over the place. So I'm with you guys. This is just a hot streak. I just had to throw him in there because he's been so hot. So, all right. Um, next up, we're going to go to starting pitching. So Nick's boy, Uh-oh. Daniel Daniel Megden. Here it comes. In his last 22 innings pitched, he's got 10 Ks, which is disappointing, but he's still good. A .41 ERA, a .59 whip, and a 10K to walk ratio. So, Nick, give it to well, us. Listen, I'm not going to go on and on about Mangdon because I, I player spotlighted him a couple of weeks ago and try to tell you guys while he was at 3% ownership to go pick Percentage him up. Percentage ship. I think that was the guy who used the word percentage. <laughs> um, but yeah, listen, he is freaking awesome. He has the best mustache in baseball, he has the best. Uh, pitching stance in baseball, the windup, everything about him is such a throwback. He's just fun to watch. Um, and he doesn't walk guys at all. The stuff is good. I, I I really think that the K upside is like around seven. <clears throat> um, I don't know if it's going to be there at the end of the year, that number. I think mean, that's kind of like the kind of magic number. You'd like to see him get over that. Um, but if not, it's definitely going to go up from 5.83, which is at right now. I think he, I think, uh, he'll, he'll finish with somewhere in the 6.50 ish range in 2017 in AAA, he had an 8.78 K per nine. Um, and if you look at the minor league stats, they've just been like really weirdly inconsistent year to year. Uh, but he's found this control and he obviously made a change over the last couple of years. So I'm a believer. I like the stuff. And he's going to continue to, to rake. And I said it the last time when I had him in my player spotlight is look at who he's pitched against in this hot streak. You cannot take anything away from this. He's faced, I'll tell you right now, Boston twice, Houston uh, twice, uh, the Dodgers who, well, they suck. Um, and Arizona in his last start. So, and, and he was at Boston, by the way, and he was at Houston. So he's pitching really good against really good teams. I was really looking forward to discussing Magnin tonight because I know Nick was really high on him. Um, our home league includes Kato Walk as a sixth pitching category. Um, there, despite a strikeout rate under six, he's a top 20 starting pitcher. In a standard format, he's coming inside the top 35. But for me, therein lies the issue. Magnin has about as has been about as good as you can expect him to be. Mm-hmm. and he's still only a good, not great asset, and that's because of the strikeout rate. Um, and, and that's without factoring in the expected regression. He's got a line drive rate at 24%. The hard contact allowed is right around 40%. His pulled percentage is nearly 50%. He's a one-to-one guy in terms of grounders and flies. That's not a good combination. Um He could have some contact skills that belies the numbers, but perhaps even even with that, he's going to give up some more bombs. The BABIP is going to rise at least a little bit. It currently sits at 240. Uh, When you combine those two things, the ERA is going to go in a different direction than it currently is. And that's not to say that I don't think he can be an under four guy. I do think he can because I do think there is something to his contact management skills that maybe the numbers don't see. But a three seven guy with a K per nine under seven, it's ownable. It's just it's not exciting. So I think if I could sell high on him, I would. 
Yeah, so I think Mengden's going to beat his uh, his XFIP and Sierra. They're like right around four, because um, he just has the makings of like the Kyle Hendricks type contact management guy. Um, but he could he could like throw in a couple of more sliders. I mean, the whiff rate on the slider isn't abysmal. It's um, it's sixteen percent last year. It was twenty. So, I mean, he can generate whiffs when he's throwing the pitch. Um, he just doesn't throw it all that often. I mean, it's under 20% usage, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, so he's just going to beat down a lot of ground balls. Um, and, and I'm kind of with Pat that the bat pit will probably swing in the other direction a little bit. Now, uh, again, I, I don't think he's – I think he's going to beat his estimators. Um but I wouldn't be surprised if he settles in like three six or three seven ERA, and then at that point, with no strikeouts, he's kind of like a fringe starter at best. Hmm. Hmm. And let me just let me just address one other thing, uh, Joe. You mentioned that you know he might have the contact management skills like Hendricks, um, and another comp that I've constantly seen thrown around is Miles Michaelis. The difference between Mengden and those guys primarily is the fact that those guys generate a lot of ground balls. Mengden is one-to-one. So mm, true. it's not the same. Um, you know, he's going to expose himself more to home runs because he's more of a fly ball pitcher. Yeah. Or just, you know, stringing hits together, right? This, so um, the new, the new craze in baseball right now is dropping the two seam sinker in favor of the four seamer because, the thought is is that those 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 sinking pitches play right into um, swing planes. Yep. Um, so they generate a lot of hits, a lot more hits than the high spin rate fastball does. Um, so that's why I think he might be prone to these BAPIP swings. And Pat, that's a great point. Um, if if he's not generating sixty percent ground balls. He's he's probably gonna get hit a little bit. So, so sorry, Nick. I guess we're poo-pooing your guy. That's all right. All right, let's uh let's jump to another starting pitcher, uh, Nick Pavetta. So he's got in his last nineteen innings pitched, he's got twenty five Ks, a one point four two ERA, a zero point seven four WHIP, and a six point two five K to walk. Yo, this guy is going to be really, really good. Really good? Like, like, really good. I I watched his last two starts in entirety, and I am telling you this is, like, a future all-star, like, top pitcher. This kid is – He's got great. really good command. Yo, he's no joke. Suddenly, and, all of a sudden. Yeah, and, and then you pair that with the breaking stuff. Like, that curve is ridiculous. Um, I mean, I'd like to see him throw the slider a little bit more, but the curve is nasty, and he doesn't need to throw it that much, honestly. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I played you last week head to head in our league, and I think one of those days it was like Pavetta versus Newcomb. Like, we, we, both of our pitches were on the mound together, and I was just like, man, this guy is so much better than my guy. <laughs> and I <wanted> him. <laughs> He's like, no joke. Um, if you have two strikes, you're getting Cade. Um, so I, I'm telling you, he's going to be like a future top ten pitcher. That's it. Go own him. Go pick him up right now. Yeah, yeah. He's reminding me of um, 
of uh, Flaherty at times. Like just the ability to work in and outside. Yep. Yeah, um, and he hits you with the ninety-five yeah, changing levels. God. Yeah, no, no, no. That that that's it. Just the ability to go inside and out and change levels. Right. That it, it's just it's just um it reeks of like maturity and being able yeah. to pitch. Yeah, I mean, I'll echo what you guys said. I I don't think that I'm quite as high on him in terms of, you know, his future potential as Nick is. But he's got a nice little run here. He's got tons of Ks. He's using the secondary stuff more, which we like. Fastball's less, and it's allowing the fastball to play up. Um, The improvements in control are obvious year over year. He's at a 2.17 walk per nine compared to a 3.86 last year. I have to think that the homers return at some point um, to around a 1.0 homer per nine level. But unlike Mengden, there is no Babbitt monster lurking around the corner. And also unlike Mengden, Pavetta can be a strikeout asset and get himself out of trouble when the luck turns against him. Um, so peripheral support the results at this point. I think Pavetta is legit. I would say he's in that 25 to 35 range in terms of where I rank him in terms of starting pitchers. Now, this is an interesting one. So we talked about this earlier. Would you rather have Reyes or would you rather have Pavetta? Pavetta. Pavetta, yeah, and I don't think it's really that close. It's really? close. It's close, but it's I, I I'm still thinking Pavetta. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm taking Pavetta too, but I'm just surprised that it's not really that close. Because, uh, I mean, I think I'd rather have Pavetta over McCullers as well. Yeah, agreed. but uh, I I don't know. Maybe I'm higher on McCullers than you guys are. I mean, that wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I'm the low man on Alex Reyes, and that's really the point. All right. Um, one last starting pitcher. We got Andrew Haney. Twenty, uh, his last twenty and a third innings pitched. Um, twenty-two Ks, point eight nine ERA, point nine eight WHIP, and a two point four four K to walk. Yeah, ever since I traded him, basically, <laughs> those those numbers have accumulated. Um, but I didn't trade him out of uh any type of dislike for the player. I s- spoke in the past on the pod about how much I liked Haney. And I said in the past that when he's healthy and he is in a rotation, he needs to be started because he's going to generate a lot of Ks. And he's just – if he could stay healthy, he could be a really special pitcher. Right now he's generally generating a lot of whiffs with the curve and the change. That's no surprise. He always has. Um, and I'm just – I'm pretty sure I con- – I, I made like the worst comp ever. I said like – I think I come like a football player. I can't remember who it was, one of those podcasts. But that was pretty stupid. But no, look, uh, I love Haney, and he's going to be awesome. You comped him to Gronkowski. Yeah, that was so stupid. Wait, how do you remember that? <laughs> because why? I remember thinking that it was just ridiculous when you said it. I Wait, was man, I got to ask, why? Do you remember? Because I was like, because I said, you know, he's the kind of guy, you got. whenever he's healthy, you got to start him. He's like the Gronkowski. Oh, it, okay. Like, That's not so bad, I guess. It's no, stupid. it's pretty bad. <laughs> It's pretty bad. Um, but yeah, Pat, tell us why you like Haney. I, I think you like Haney as well. I, I do like Haney. Um, there's a lot of good here. The K rate's down year over year, but it remains 
very sound at over a caper inning. The walks are down slightly. He's throwing the fastball a little less. The batted ball profile has shifted away from extreme fly ball tendencies, which is good for a pitcher that's got homer problems. And those haven't reared their head yet. Um, he's a career 1.42 homer per nine guy. He's currently at 0.77. Uh, his career homer to fly ball percentage is 14%, and he's currently at 10%. If the movement away from the fly balls is real, then in all likelihood, you're looking at a homer per nine right around 1.1. Uh, AKA, I, I think he's good, and he should be good, but not quite as good as he's been so far this season. Um, the other side of the coin is the injury concern. Uh, do you want to unload him before the injury occurs? I, I think I'm at least considering it. Cashing out now, get a good underachiever and bank the good from Heaney without the risk um, of the downside. Um, you know, I saw a trade where Heaney went for Nick Pavetta, actually. And oh, oh, my God. I would do that in a heartbeat. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. And I love Heaney. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the other thing, too, worth mentioning, right, is that um, the, the sinker usage is at its lowest of his career, right? And, you know, I just mentioned it before that um, those sinkers and two-seamers are prone to getting hit hard. So um, he's obviously tapping into using the secondary stuff more. Um, and that's what you like to see. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm mostly on board with you guys. And I think I, if I could, if I could dish him out for someone like Nick Pavetta, obviously in a heartbeat, but I imagine that um, a lot of, a lot of other fantasy owners aren't really going to be like, Oh, I really want Andrew Haney. So he's probably someone worth just riding out the streak. Yeah. And I think he can be useful as long as he's healthy, you know, if I had to ride Andrew Haney for the rest of the year, provided he was healthy, I mean, I think I would be fine with that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, that's going to wrap it up for uh, around the diamond. So let's go on to some player spotlights. Um, each of us is going to just highlight some players that we want to talk about this week. So, uh, Nick, you want to start us off? <laughs> you know what? I didn't realize that all my guys were <laughs> in the outline already. So I'm just going to sit this out and let you guys take it away. Oh, man. Okay. All right. I'll go first. Matt Olson. Um, I was bullish on Olson before the season started. And some of what I thought has panned out. His swing is apparently capable of producing a, a pretty decent Babbitt. It's just that while the line drives have been there, to help the Babbitt, the power has not been there. His home on the fly ball is down from 41.4%, which was obviously going to come down <laughs> to 15.1%. But Olsen's still high end in terms of stat cast data. His hard contact rate is among the best in baseball. In fact, Olsen is second of all in all of baseball behind J.D. Martinez. He's at 51.5% in terms of his hard contact, which means he's hitting the ball hard more than half the time, obviously. Despite the hard contact rate in the stat cast indicators, Olsen sits 59th in baseball on homer to fly ball rate. All I can say is the power is coming. Stay the course. Consider this. If you combine last year and this year, he's got 461 plate appearances. That's not a full season. He's got 32 homers. Now, of course, that includes the ridiculous power pace from last year, but it also includes this year's 
pace where you probably expected them ex- would expect him to hit a few more homers than he has so far. Full season, that's a 40 homer pace. I firmly believe the power is going to come. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're right because um, everyone was like really, really buying the breakout on Olsen. Um, and, you know, you kind of had to pay up, right? It was like, I don't know, maybe 10th or 11th round? It was right around round 10, 11, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you're, yeah, you're hoping for it. Um, the first guy I'm going to talk about is um so la- last week I went to uh I went to watch the Iron Pigs uh face um Rochester and so um I got a glimpse of Nick Gordon um so D Gordon's little brother and um yeah he pretty much just looked exactly like D Gordon I mean um I was watching him out there and I was like oh my god like I I think D Gordon is legitimately on the bases right now. He's small in stature. He's got a little bit more pop than D as um, he's shown in the minors that he can hit, you know, close to, to 10 or so home runs, but he's got the same sort of, same sort of stature again, right? Lots of speed, ability to steal bases. Um, so far in his, in his brief call up to triple a, um, he hasn't really taken too many walks, but he's again, he's shown the ability to hit just like D has. Um, so, He's just someone to keep an eye out too. His expected, uh, his expected um, time to be ready is next year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a late September call up, um, just to see what they have in the in the Twins. Um, so yeah, Nick Gordon's the first guy. So you see, do you want us to pick up Nick Gordon for that one week in late September? No, no, it's just a a highlight of. Of someone I got to see. Live. Yeah, and something for a little bit of the uh, dynasty crowd. Yeah, I'm just joshing. I'm just joshing you, bro. Yeah, come on, Nick. You and your your repeat players. <laughs> I know. I was gonna. I was gonna throw Jalen Beeks in there. I was like, oh, I switch it up, but I talked you about, talked about him already. already. It's okay, Nick. You had a bad day. Um, nice. Jameson Tyone is my next guy. Uh, I, I bought Tyone last week and you know he, he's a pitcher that induces grounders he's got plus velocity those are traits that i like in pitchers um but he's been a two-pitch pitcher for most of his career with the uh fastball curve combo uh, and he's pretty much made it work because he's been able to manage the contact for the most part i mean last year he had a bit of a rough year and i know this year he hasn't gotten off to the fastest start but all in all he looked pretty good in terms of the numbers and I believe that the luck would turn around. Um, lo and behold on Sunday, uh, I managed to catch his start against St. Louis and he started throwing what was a hard slider, a, a slider that was fluctuating between 90 and 88 miles per hour. And he threw it over 30% of the time. Now he was dabbling with the pitch earlier in the year. And that was part of my reasoning for, um, making the investment was, you know, this is a guy that if he can get a third pitch, even if it's an average pitch, it would be huge for his profile. Uh, the slider behaved at, or, or it produced at an elite level. So if this is a legitimate pitch and it it is a elite or even a, a good pitch, uh, it could be 
huge for Tyone. Um, it could produce strikeouts. It could it could up the Ks. It could you know get hitters off of his other two pitches and allow those two pitches to play up. Now, the the good thing is is that on Sunday he went I believe six and one third and he was removed with two guys on and they were like two singles I think one was a one was an infield hit um, and then the whoever the reliever was came in and allowed those two runners to come around the score so it looked like a typical Jamison Tyone stat line six and one third three earned you know six Ks two walks whatever. Um, this means to me that you might be able to go out and get Tyone with this new third pitch without paying the premium that would come with him have having such an excellent start. Um, you know, if if he had gone out and finished the seventh with six Ks, two walks, and uh, the buzz of a new pitch, you wouldn't be able to get him pretty cheap. I still think you can at this point. But I have a question because sure. you you kept writing about obviously you know I was huge huge fan of Tyon before the season started, um, and my question to you is since this week you're like oh he has a third pitch, um, he always had the fastball the curve and the change right so yes but the change is terrible okay so yes he technically did have a third pitch. But when there are lots of quote unquote two pitch pitchers that have more than two pitches, it's just whether the pitch is actually good enough to qualify as, um, you know, an average or above offering. Okay. Yeah. See, you know, um, he's definitely going to improve, right? Having a, a, well, maybe not definitely, but having a new weapon is always nice. Um, the, the thing that I'm worried about with Tyone, right, is that he just he can't get lefties out. Um, I mean, they've, they've got a 363 Woba against him, 284 average, 387 on-base percentage. I mean, they, like, absolutely wow. crush him. But he's deadly against righties, which is good. I mean, there's more righties in the league, um, and a slider will help that. But I almost wish that he'd, he'd had worked on the changeup more to get the lefties out than a slider to just – further suppress righties, you know? Well, and this was something that we spoke about before. Um, I don't think that we know. I mean, we do know that normally uh, a slider and a curve from a right-handed pitcher works primarily against righties as opposed to lefties. But we don't know yet what this particular slider is going to do against left-handed hitters. Um, and there is a chance that maybe it will work against left-handed hitters, either as a backdoor pitch or maybe one because it's such a hard slider that can almost be used like a cutter that will cut in against lefties um, and, you know, induce weak contact in on the hands. So while it's not the traditional route that you would want a pitcher to take in terms of the changeup, the changeup's not there. I mean, it, he's he's that's been his quote unquote third pitch for forever, and it's never been a good pitch. Um, now, maybe as a fourth offering, it can play up, but I'm I'm looking at this as 
he's it, it. The slider to me looks more like a strikeout pitch than anything else. And if he can get his case per nine up over the hump of nine, I can deal with the fact that he's got to kind of be careful against lefties. And especially since he's such a ground ball pitcher, yeah, they might crush him, but he's also a guy that can manage the contact to some extent. So, you know, I'm still hopeful. Yeah. And to be fair, right. I'm with you in the fact that I don't think his um, price is going to be particularly high. Who did you, who did you trade him for? I traded Mike fulton and the rights to Nick Senzel. And for context, this is a limited keeper. You can, we get to keep like three or four, we get to keep four players for up to um, two additional years. And, you know, that's it. It's basically like a contract. And once your contract is up, you go back into the pool. Um, and I traded those two for uh, Tyone and Adrian Beltre. Mm, yeah, I knew there was another piece. All right, yeah. I, I would take your side too. Oh, Max Muncy just homered. Yeah, he did because he's the best. Yep. All right. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight another guy from from this game that I went to. Um. So it's it's someone you might actually know, Nick. Uh, Zach Little, um, starting pitcher for the Twins or the Twins AAA affiliate. Um. He was a he was a Yankee prospect at one point. Um. So in that game I watched, he went six innings, seven Ks, one walk. Um. He flashed excellent command. He his uh, his his secondary stuff was really what stood out to me, specifically the curveball and the changeup. Um, they both looked like really good offerings. Um, scouts have had him at a at a fifty curveball and a forty five change, but they looked really good and they looked like weapons that he could use. Um, I know his fastball uh, velocity is kind of low; it sits around like eighty seven and ninety one, which isn't really anything. Um, anything amazing, especially out of a six foot four inch frame. Um, you think you'd be able to throw faster than that, but you know, little might be someone down the road that, um, if, if the right pitching coach gets a hand, a hand on him, um, and he, and he changes mechanics. I mean, he's got the frame where you, you'd imagine that he'd be able to throw faster. Um, so maybe just a, a slight change in mechanics, you know, something like we've seen with Charlie Morton, um, and get that velo up. I mean, he's been excellent throughout his whole career, which is ridiculous because scouts have been pretty much against him uh, for the minors. I mean, it, it, this is his call up in AAA. He's got a 9.64 K per nine, a 2.57 ERA. Um, last year, he had a 2.81 ERA through 41 innings um, it, as a twin and a 2.05 ERA through 44 innings as a Yankee. I mean, he's been he's been really, really, really solid. And this has been through multiple levels, A, double A, and now triple A. Um, so he's, again, right, like Nick mentioned, joked before, right, Zach Little's probably not going to see the majors this year, and um, he's still a bit out. But it's just a name to stash away of someone who's performed better than what scouts have, have said about him so far. Okay, I, I took a look at Nico Goodrum, uh, who we mentioned earlier. He's at a, he's on a nearly a 2020 pace with a ton of eligibility. 
I'm not sure exactly what to make of him. The barrels per plate appearance, he's top 15. Um, but otherwise, he's pretty average at any stat cast power indicator. Um, he's above average, but not elite in speed score, uh, sprint score. Uh, he's floating around the Chris Taylor, Tommy Pham range. Um, speed has certainly been an asset to him, not only with the five stolen bases, he's also carrying an infield hit percentage of 11%. I don't think we can expect much more in terms of play discipline, the Ks and the walks. Uh, if anything, the walks might tick down a little bit. He doesn't have the line drive rate to support a plus Babbitt, but maybe the mix starts to shift there. His line drive rate is only 13%, and that seems low for somebody with that kind of barrel rate. He's certainly interesting, if you, and if you need a bit of power and speed, you know, if you're the, if you're the person that's looking to replace the Franchi Cordero or the Ronald Acuna, um, Goodrum is hitting in the center of that lineup. He's on a bad team, so he should run a bit even at the center of the lineup. And, you know, I mean, he could be like a 250, 260 type hitter with around, you know, 18 homers, uh, 18 steals if if this continues. Uh, Because he's – there's no indication that that he is particularly bad or lucky – uh, in terms of the power or the speed. And if he's league average at both, um, and there's an indication he might be even a little better in the power, given the situation, he should be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, so Goodrum has something in common with Gorky's Hernandez, and that's that every single time I check baseball scores, Nico Goodrum either scored a run or hit an RBI. So, uh, yes, this is factually correct. (laughs) Yeah. He's passing the, uh, Yahoo app, uh, test. So I know I I like him. I mentioned him, I mentioned him, uh, before the pod. Uh, I think he's a guy who could definitely go 2020 this year. Um, it's just going to come with a very questionable batting average. I I think Pat, correct me if I'm wrong. He's at 250 right now. Yeah. He's right around 250. Yeah. I kind of see him as like, 240-ish hitter, which, you know, with a bit of uh, with a bit of bad luck, that could be like 230, which is the danger zone. But if he stays over yeah, 240... Somewhere between 20, like a 265 and a 230 hitter, I think. Yeah. I think that's exactly. like his range. Yeah, and the Tiger lineup is so bad. Like, he's going to stay at the top uh, part of it. And with Miggy coming back, there could be some... Uh, there could be some value there. Uh, he's got my attention. All right. Uh, any other players we want to highlight, or is that nope. it? That's all I got. Oh man, we were we were pretty fast today. Yep. Look at us. All right. Well, that wraps that about wraps it up. Um, you want to give us uh, your Twitter handles, guys? Nick. Uh yeah, my Twitter handle is Nick FWO. The last time I tweeted was when. I think George Washington sailed the ocean blue and discovered America or something like that. How are, how are those PUBG games going? You're not Great. on Fortnite yet, man? No, that game is so stupid. <laughs> and Pat, where can they find you? You can find me at Patrick FWO. And Pat does tweet. Pat tweets. Yeah, I will tweet. 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 I, I occasionally just don't tweet. tweet. Just don't take Ambien and tweet, whatever you do. I, I occasionally tweet, and I'm at 
Joe FWO. Usually it's about my frustration of Evan Gaddis striking out. Um, you should really move these to the front of the pod so people actually listen, if, if they listen this far. I mean, I don't know who does. Um, but yeah, thanks again for listening, as always, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next week. Byron Buxton bros, come at me. Oh, God. Goodbye. Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Who can make my electricity and natural gas work smarter? Where can I find a company that's easy to do business with, who knows the market best and has options to fit my needs? For millions of homes and businesses, there is one answer. Constellation. Decades of market intelligence and proven solutions from a trusted energy leader. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com energy.